Hello, and welcome back to the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. This is a podcast of stories, stories of devastating loss and grief and heartbreak and struggle, and stories of hope and healing and faith, and yes, even joy. Underlying every conversation is the hope we have in Jesus Christ, which makes it possible to not just survive the loss of a child, but to live well while we're waiting to see them again in heaven one day. You can learn more about our ministry and the free Bereaved Parent Retreats we host by visiting our website at www.whilewerewaiting.org. Welcome to episode number 135, which is a continuation of my conversation with my friend Laura Granger. If you missed last week's episode, you'll want to go back to hear the story of her son Luke, who died from rhabdomyosarcoma cancer at the age of 17. We'll be sharing a wide-ranging discussion today of issues faced by bereaved parents, including the dreaded things people say, dealing with holidays and birthdays, and the before and after of child loss. We'll pick up the interview right where we left off last week. You know, I'm sure over the last five years, you have heard your share of clumsy things spoken by well-meaning people in an attempt to provide comfort. So how have you dealt with people that have, that maybe have said things that added to your pain? And then what were some of the most helpful things that people have said or done? Um, yeah, I was trying to think of things that I didn't like or added to my pain, um, and even Luke, he had given me a bracelet the last Mother's Day with a sign of infinity on it. And he said, that's mom to wear and remember that I'm always with you. Um, but I don't like that, that, you know, oh, he's always with you, you know, <laughs> because right. that, uh-huh. that absence of him is so big and so overwhelming that I'm like, no, he's not. He's not. That's the problem. <laughs> he's not with me. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, I think most of the time I would just kind of nod my head. Maybe I was generally pretty gentle in saying it doesn't feel like he's with me and that's what hurts so much. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Or somebody saying to me, Luke wouldn't want you to feel this way and I think you don't know what Luke would want. And it's not even really about what Luke wants. This is how I have to cope right now. (laughs) Yeah, this is just reality. Yeah, Yeah, I had one person say to me, you know, she would always want to listen to me, but then she'd get very nervous and want to like fix it. And so she'd start to pull me out and then she'd start coming up with all these fixes. And um, so she I, you know, I was talking about how much I miss Luke and how sad he was. And she said, well, Luke's, you know, Luke's okay. He's in heaven. He's okay. And I said to her, I know Luke's okay. I'm not okay. <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm still here. The separation uh-huh. is what hurts so much. So those were the kinds of things that I didn't like. You know, I was right. mostly uh-huh. either I didn't say much of anything or I tried to be gentle in my response to them. Uh-huh. The most helpful things was somebody who would just listen, who would ask questions and listen and let me sometimes just go on and on and talk about it. It felt like they were interested in knowing about Luke and they were interested in hearing about my grief. Yes. You know, it, it was like this release sometimes if I had a long conversation with somebody, I just like lifted off my shoulders because I got to get it out to somebody 
whatever it was I was feeling or remembering or hurting about. Yeah, I think that's the greatest gift a friend can give us is just to give us the opportunity to talk about our kids and about our and about our grief without without trying to fix us. Right. So at our retreats, um, we often talk about how painful our child's birthday or heaven day can be. And then, of course, all of the holidays are difficult. What special ways have you found to honor Luke's life on those special days? Well, I want to in particular talk about Christmas just because we just passed Christmas. It's early January uh right now. Um, And the very first Christmas without Luke, we had some dear friends who, without telling us, they had reached out to any way they could to friends that they knew were friends of ours and asked people to give uh, or Christmas tree ornaments in honor of Luke that would, you know, remind us of Luke or honor Luke. And they came to our house about a week before Christmas. They said they had a surprise for us. They asked us to go down in the basement and we could hear them upstairs. I had, I couldn't figure out what they were doing. Well, what they were doing is setting up an artificial Christmas tree with all these ornaments on it. Uh-huh. And when we came up, I was so overwhelmed by it. And these ornaments, there's so much yellow on the tree because, you know, Sometimes we have a favorite color, but for Luke, it was his signature color. <laughs> mm-hmm. So everybody yes. who knew Luke knew yellow was his color. Uh-huh. So a lot of emoji ornaments, which are cute. And then ornaments having to do with um, music, because he was musical. A couple of ru- little Rubik's Cube ornaments. Um, some ornaments that, you know, one in particular just says that he'll... I'll always have him in my heart, you know, until I get to see him again. And so as the years have gone on, I've bought more ornaments for for the tree. Sure. And we call it our loop tree. And this year I was even anticipating, I was excited to put up the loop tree. Because when I put it up, they also label, put a little tag on each ornament so I could see who each ornament was from. And so I'll put the tree up with Jay and and James will usually be right there. And I'll read off the names as I put them on. And it just feels like all these people are around us again, supporting us again in our early grief. And, um, you know, each year I'll pull something out that I kind of forgot. Like I pulled out the TARDIS from Doctor Who (laughs) and I Uh smiled. I was like, oh, he loved Doctor Who. He had me watch it with him. I was always so confused. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so anyway that has become a real gift to me the Luke tree it feels almost like his presence and then on top of that it's it's the support of all these friends yes Um, so you know his birthdays we've actually had some parties on his birthday um which my, I think my husband likes that better than I do. And maybe that's because I spend the party, you know, making sure there's enough food and things are taken care mm. of. And, right. you know, I don't, and it's not a great place for me to do a lot of deep talking with people. It's harder for me to bring up those conversations. And at the same time, I do, you know, appreciate people who care about us, who cared about Luke, wanting to get together and, and remember him and honor him. Yeah. I love that the Luke tree, 
and how all of the ornaments just sounds like you your friends were so thoughtful to come up with all of those ornaments that fit his personality and just kind of described him and actually took that extra step of putting their names on each one yes. so that you can always remember who gave them to you because you know with grief brain you don't remember things like right. that right and those little tags that have their names on them what a gift that yeah, is yeah they they left extra tags when they brought them and so because there were some people who still gave us some ornaments after they had set up the tree. And so when I get a new ornament from someone, I always make sure I tag it because I want to remember who gave it to us. Yes. Well, and them going that extra mile too of actually setting the tree up for you and putting the ornaments on it. That's huge. Especially that first Christmas for, to, for somebody to do that. What a gift. Yeah, it really was. It really was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is so special. So I think that all of us who have lost a child have this very sharp dividing line in our lives, almost like a fault line. And it, and it divides our lives into before and after. Talk about the before Laura and the after Laura. What have you learned about yourself and what have you learned about God? So um, about... Was it a year and a half before Luke was diagnosed? I had lost my mom to cancer, and I had been in a, a master's of social work program. I was about halfway through when my mom got sick. She had just lost her husband. She so she lived by herself in rural Ohio, and I stepped out of the program, thinking I would go back eventually. She passed away. It was cancer too, but much more quickly than any of us expected. She was diagnosed and a month later, she passed away. But I had to um, work on her estate and, you know, getting that settled legally. And, um, and I was just grieving a lot. And so I hadn't gone back into this program yet. And um, I kept thinking after Luke passed away, maybe, you know, I, I feel ready to go back, but I've got to the point where I just don't even want to. I'd rather, I'd rather do what I want to do as a volunteer or if the church would hire me to do something. Because what I like to do is, is along the lines of ministry, like grief share. I've been a Stephen minister. I headed up a special needs ministry at our church. And I thought, yeah, I don't necessarily need the, the degree but also it would i don't know if my brain and my emotions could handle the <laughs> the demands uh-huh. of a masters program oh yeah even 5 years out it's i so yeah. one of the things i was never a, a fast paced type a person but i really have to pace myself a lot and some of it's a physical i just wear out faster but it's all tied into, I think, emotional and what I can handle. And so, you know, my husband isn't as much like that. And so he'll be like, well, let's have this group at our house and let's do this and that. And I'll say, I, I'm doing grief share and I'll, I'll do this other thing. And then I'm done because I can't, right. <laughs> I can't uh-huh. handle anymore. <laughs> and I know yeah. I don't work outside the home and I do take care of Jay, but that's not a whole lot, you know, but that's what I can handle. And I'm not, you know, because we don't need the income, I can do that. But, you know, I'm just not going to push myself too much. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
same with I loved reading and I still love reading, but I, I can have a much harder time concentrating to stay with a book. Um, I tend to need to read light novels now, <laughs> which yes, I read uh-huh. those some before, but now that's almost all I can handle. <laughs> or magazines aren't so bad because they're short articles. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and a big thing I learned about, I don't know, myself and God, or I'm learning, um, struggling with this prayer, you know, when your child has cancer, well, first I learned that I expected to somehow be protected from that, that somehow mm-hmm. that yes, would, uh-huh. that type of tragedy wouldn't happen to my family because I have God and he's going to protect me from it. Yeah. And so then I definitely had a, a worked through a lot of anger towards God during Luke's cancer and after his death. It, you know, I knew I would, and yet it was so much that it surprised me, the intensity of it. Um, sure. And I will say I had already had learned this some uh, just dealing with things in my past, but I knew I could tell God, hey, I'm really angry. This isn't fair. You know, this doesn't seem right. And he would listen and he wouldn't turn me away. And I just kind of said, these are my emotions. I'm not saying I'm right, Lord. I'm just saying (laughs) this is what I'm struggling Uh with. And he never seemed to, you know, I don't know if he gets mad at me, but it doesn't seem like it. It seems like he's very um, patient with me. And tender with me. And when he is ready to show me a lesson I need to learn, it's he he waits until he knows I'm ready for it. Mm, Now, the prayer is still just a big challenge for me because when you pray for your child to be healed and they aren't, and eventually after he was gone, I just said, you know, it's not my call. It was God's call. God is God. I am not. The days of Luke's life were already numbered. I don't totally understand how that works either. But I believe he's God and I believe he's good. And I believe we live in a fallen world and he allows, you know, the effects of the sin and the the fallen world to affect us. He's not going to pull us out. But even today, my son is riding up north with some friends, so he doesn't drive. And they're just having a little vacation up north, some college students he's friends with. And I was praying, oh, Lord, I pray they're safe. And, you know, and then I start going, does it matter, Lord, if I pray that they're safe? I mean, if a car accident is in their future, does it matter what I pray? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, those are hard questions. Yeah. So I struggle Uh with prayer and what to pray and do you say I prayed this so I know because I asked it's gonna come true you know and I've it, it the, the good thing about that is it's what I do is I start searching the Bible what does the Bible say about prayer and yeah. you know maybe reading some other books that are you know biblically based that also are looking at what the Bible says about prayer what's the purpose how do we do it and although I feel, I guess I feel a little more confident in my prayer life, um, you know, I just feel like it's a good thing that I'm searching and that I'm asking the questions and that I'm Absolutely. trying to pray more so that 
I understand it better and so that I feel more confident in it. Yeah. I, I think like what you just said, that just persevering in it, even when you're not sure, even when you don't understand, is a lot of the battle and just not giving up. I know with Hannah's situation, of course, we prayed for her healing as well. And she was not healed in the way we would have chosen for her to be healed. But one of the things that I've just kind of had to accept is that she is healed, just not in the way that I wanted her to be. And so I've I've finally come to peace with that. But it is a struggle. Yeah, when I pray for my other, other daughter's safety, um, and the things going on in her life, I just, I realize that my role is to pray about those things and, and then leave her in God's hands to do with as he wills. But yeah, those are hard questions. Those are, those are above my theological pay grade. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think asking the questions and like we said, persevering in it is um, is a lot of what, what the Lord wants for us to do. Yeah, and that's another thing, I, and I'm, I think I'm making a piece with it more that pops up and I read um, a devotional called Streams in the Desert, and this uh-huh. theme pops up a lot, but it's the trials, the suffering, the grief, the pain. Really, that's how we grow more yes. than when things are going well in our lives. We, you know, lean back and relax and aren't, you know, really fighting for our faith as much. And, um, of course, I, I can't say that makes it all worth it. <laughs> I want Luke uh-huh. here, but I'm learning yep. to appreciate what, you know, almost appreciate what God redeems from the grief and the suffering and, you know, that something good can come out of it, even though something bad also came out of it. Yes, absolutely. Now you've started something called the Luke Legacy Fund. Uh, Talk about that a little bit. Where do those funds go and how can people learn more about that if they'd like to give? Right. So, when Luke was in those last few months of his life, he had asked my husband and I, hey, I know I have some money in savings. I have education money. What are you guys going to do with that after I'm gone? And so, you know, Luke was 16, almost 17. We said, well, Luke, what would you like us to do with it? And he said, I want it to be used to help kids go to Young Life Camp. Students go to Young Life Camp. He was always... He always wanted his friends to go and hear the gospel and experience Young Life Camp. And he said one of the biggest reasons they didn't was because of the cost, usually. Sure. And so he said, yeah. if, if we can cut down on the cost so more of these students, in particular his friends, but just students in general, could go, that, that you know that's what he wanted. And so we took his grandparents had set aside money for college for each of the boys, so his money went into it, and um, somebody, it's a long story, but somebody had gifted him $10,000 as a gift to do with whatever he pleased, wow. and he just didn't have anything he was dying uh-huh. for, so that went towards it. And then, so, but during the memorial service, so my, my husband set it up through Young Life, what they call a legacy fund, so it's, you know, investors, there's, you know, kind of a financial manager overseeing it, 
that works for Young Life and they invest and it grows. But he, at the memorial service, he explained it to everybody what the Luke Legacy Fund was. It was going to give out scholarships so high school and middle school students could have the cost of going to camp reduced. A lot of times we give out uh, about a third of what the cost of camp is. So anyway, we ended up, I don't know, that first year, let's see, I typed it all out. The first year that we gave out funds was 2018, and we gave out $24,000 to 77 recipients. And that was only 10% or less of what was Uh in the fund. So that was $240,000 was in the fund. And people keep Uh giving and it keeps growing. So each year we've been able to give out more. Although, you know, 2020 was a down year because (laughs) because of COVID. It was a down year for everyone. Yeah, camps were not... (laughs) running and the the way they decided to do some very small camps, you know, that just wasn't a lot of opportunity. But anyway, this past year, we gave out to 221 students. We gave out a total of $63,000. We gave $286 per student, which is an average, uh, depending on what camp they go to and how much the cost is. Some of them get more and some of them get less, but yeah. That's amazing. That's 221 lives just in this past year that have been profoundly impacted. Yeah. When one of the first years, one of his friends who she would, she had come visit him a couple times that last summer and he had given her one of his Bibles, even though she wasn't a believer yet. She went to camp that next summer and she just, you know, she came and visited with us and just thanked us for, you know, giving out these scholarships and that she knew the Lord now. And I, each year when I see, you know, how many we give, and we hear usually a few stories of some of these kids that hear the gospel, but we know all these kids are going to hear the gospel in their five, six days at camp. And for some of them, it might be the first time they ever hear the gospel. Yes. And, um, and so some of them do, they accept Jesus as their Lord at these camps and they're saved. And I always think about Luke in heaven and I say, God, please let him know, please let him know who, who saved because of his, his legacy, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, The first couple years I struggled with the feeling like we're doing this because Luke died and I hate that. Mm. (laughs) But Uh what's happening is so good and I'm glad for it. And then, but again, kind of like I said before, but I would trade it all to have Luke with me, you know, Luke would probably 100%. say he would Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. But um, yep. I've begun to just see it as, you know, Luke isn't on earth anymore, but God is allowing him to still impact other people with the gospel through his life, yes. even though he's not on earth anymore. And I see that as a gift and a blessing. Yes. Yes, and you never know how those people, you know, how those kids who come to know the Lord, what impact they're going to have. I mean, it's exponential, really. Right, right. So now I will say um, uh, most of the students that we give to live in in the region, the Young Life region we're in, which is 
the eastern half of Michigan. And the reason we limit it is we would have too many applications if we opened it up. Sure. So, um, but if anybody is interested, we we have now and then we get somebody who's heard of it through a friend in another state, and um, we we tend to end up giving them the <laughs> the scholarship too. But um, if you want to find out more about it, it's Luke L U K E Legacy L E G A C Y Fund F U N D dot com. So all one word, LukeLegacyFund.com. Okay, good. And I will put that in the show notes. Yeah, okay. And we'll be opening up um, the application. So they go online to apply for the scholarship. There's an online application, and that, that will open up on February 1st. Hmm. Well, that is really good timing because this episode probably going to be dividing it in half One, the first half will air January 25th and the second half will air, I believe, February 1st, if oh. that is, yeah, that's a, oh, that's, that's a Wednesday. Perfect. So that's perfect timing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Perfect timing. So yeah, the link will be in the show notes. So if you are listening to this podcast on February 1st, go out there and, and, and check it out. Um, I just love this ministry and that, you know, I love, Young Life, because we've we've actually run into a lot of people that have been involved with Young Life through the While We're Waiting ministry. And so I know it's a wonderful organization. And what a beautiful way to honor Luke's life. Yeah. Um, people can make a donation, maybe, if they want to, or people can look into possibly, I guess there's an application process to get a scholarship. Yes. Yeah, so students, you know, you go to Young Life Camp with your local Young Life group. Mm-hmm. So students don't just say, oh, I've heard of this Young Life Camp. I'm going to go, you know, you kind of have to be a part of it. But um, students can apply or their leaders can apply for them. But yeah, you do it online. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got a lot of while we're waiting friends in Michigan. So maybe some of them will look into this. Um, one more question that I always like to ask just as we close out an interview. Has music been an important part of your grief journey? And if so, what is on your playlist? Yeah, so one of the biggest ones was um, I'd n- never really heard of Hillary Scott and the Scott family singers, but I believe her family maybe uh, had a, a you know gospel music career. And then she happens to now be a part of, I think they call it Lady A, used to be called Lady Uh Antebellum, which is more of a pop Mm -hmm. group. But she did an album that came out, I think in 2016, called Love Remains. And it was Hilary Scott and the Scott Family Singers. So she did it, you know, independent of this other group she's a part of. Yeah. And um, one of the songs that really spoke to me was called thy will. And, um, she just, she talks about in it, you know, that sometimes things are so hard that all we can pray is thy will be done. Thy will be done. Yes. And that even when we're confused by all our pain, we can still, you know, turn to God. He's still there that he, you know, one of the, I don't know if it's the chorus, but you know, I know you see me and I know you hear me, Lord. Your plans are for me. Um, And so I had heard that 
first when Luke was in the middle of treatment and it meant a lot to me. And then I downloaded the whole album and on the album, uh, some of them are hymns and some of them are songs that were written for the album, but there's a couple of them that, that include in the song kind of that passing from this life to the next and passing into the arms of the Lord. And so just a lot of songs in there really, um, just really minister to me, my, my grieving heart. So even though it's been a while, I still listen to that pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. So, um, there's another song and I know my husband thinks I'm crazy, but, um, sometimes the song that really kind of brings out my grief, I, I like to listen to and just allow myself to cry and grieve. Uh So if you saw Hamilton, um, the Broadway show, Uh I'm going to give a spoiler. (laughs) Hamilton's son dies, which is true in real life. Hamilton's son died. And and they have a couple songs to go along with this happening. And um, when we first saw it, we were, it was just like three or four months after Luke had passed. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the theater's totally quiet while we're watching this young man die on stage and nothing gruesome at all, but yeah. And, um, I, tears are pouring down my cheeks and I'm just holding, biting my lips. I I'm afraid I'm going to sob out loud. (laughs) Oh yeah. And, um, again, it just, for me, it's kind of therapeutic to listen to the words and somebody understood and wrote out some of how it feels when you lose a child. Um, and so there's a song, the song's called, um, it's quiet uptown, but they use the phrase, the unimaginable a lot that the pain basically of losing your child is unimaginable. And I, I find that to be true. Um, and so again, that's just another song that kind of ministers to me, even though this, this song in particular does not you know, look to the Lord or heaven as much as right, just right. dealing with the grief process. Sure. Uh, I have not seen that play, and now you've got me interested in at least getting the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I was not aware of that. That is that is good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. All right. Well, we need to wrap up. We've been visiting for quite a while yes. this afternoon. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Yeah. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share before we close? You know, I did just want to share that um, it's been, I don't know, a year and a half or two years. And I was, um, whenever I think back to Luke saying, Mom, I deserve the death that Jesus had on the cross. You know, I knew it was true. And at the same time, I couldn't really appreciate it, you know, because I thought, no, we, you know, this pain is too much. I don't, you know, it's too much for me. I don't deserve it. But Again, it just slowly seeped into me where um, I can say, you know, yeah, I lost my son, but I didn't, I don't deserve all the years I had with my son. You know, I'm a, I'm a sinner like everybody else. Yeah, <laughs> and even yeah. though I know Jesus and I'm trying my best to follow him, I do the same sins over and over again. And you know what? I'm still saved. He's still patient and merciful and gracious with me. That's right. Yeah. And it's uh-huh. just helped, you know, just in general, but in my grief to kind of to turn things a little and and not just, this isn't fair, you know, 
Mm. It's more of, yeah, it's really hard, but you know, God's given me a lot of gifts and the biggest one I don't deserve, which is life with him and his presence with me, which he's, you know, I felt that he's been with me through all of it. So, yeah. Anyway, that's a big lesson I've been learning for a year and a half now. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, and I can't think of any better way to close this episode than with that reminder. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please take just a moment to leave a rating or a review, and please feel free to share it with someone you know who might be helped by it. We're so grateful for all of you who come back and listen every week, and those of you who may be listening for the very first time. I hope God has used it to encourage you today and to help you live well while you're waiting.